This is the Candeo Equipping Podcast. Well, good morning, guys. Thanks for making the trek through the ice to make it through Gospel 101 and the challenges that uh, all of uh, Daylight Savings Time bring. So uh, the, the few and faithful, we're glad you made it today. Just want to introduce myself. If you, I haven't met you yet, my name is Nick Sennert. I get to serve as one of the elders. And I'm married to my wife, Mary. Have two little ones and one on the way very soon. So if you haven't met uh, myself or my wife, please introduce yourself. Uh, just also wanted to, uh, as we start the class, come back to the reminder, what's the purpose of why are we here in Gospel 101? And uh, Mark and I have discussed and, and really just have a vision to want to grow in understanding of the gospel uh, from, from wherever you are to take another step to greater understanding. And so that'll produce two things in your life. Number one, that we'll have greater worship of Jesus in our life when we understand the depths of what he's done for us in, the, in light of the cross and in light of the resurrection, and that it would produce greater worship in us through that understanding and greater purpose in living. You know, we're already starting that with these purposeful conversations that uh, some of you may be engaging in in in-depth follow-ups on that and, and drawing people out and sharing the gospel with them. And others may just be, hey, I'm just kind of uh, texting somebody and, and asking them questions that somebody is, uh, that's lost. But uh, either way, it's, it's a step forward from where you are. So what's the next step in, in how I can grow an understanding that produced those things? So um, yeah, as, as we engage today and, and continue in the class, consider those, those things. So uh, today we're going to review a little bit of lesson three which was about humanity, and then uh, we're going to start lesson four, which is focused on Christ. So as we look back to review on lesson three, you guys got to do some surveys from last week, right? Can somebody remind me, what is that survey question? Yeah, how good or evil are people in general? So before we get into like what you guys, those conversations that you had with people in the survey, uh, I'd like to just share, even at your table for a couple minutes, if you answered that personally, how would you answer how good or how evil are people? With good being, like the perfect good would be 10 and the most evil would be one. So let's uh, let's discuss that for the next couple minutes and, and I'll bring us back. All right, let's, uh, let's come back together and just share some of your responses. Uh, can I have maybe two people share from the table of uh, how they would view how, how good or evil people are in general? We had like a five to a seven. Five to seven. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you could even share, like what was some of the whys behind? Why is this because I, sometimes I just see real evil. Uh-huh. You know, I don't understand how somebody can just be evil. I yeah. guess, when I think of like sex trafficking, sure. children, that's to me is just evil. You know, that's hard to. That's sad to think that there could be such evil, mm-hmm. pure evil. You know, but then there's a lot of good. You know. Thank you, Lord. There's a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the goodness of God, there's yeah. good, right? And only because of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, so in, in light of even looking back at last week in humanity, where we went through, especially Romans 1, that uh, 18 through 20 passage. Um, let's see, how does that go? Uh, For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth through their wickedness. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, namely his divine nature and eternal power, have been clearly perceived through what is made so that man is without excuse. That, that's that, those two ver- three verses there uh, in Romans, just stating that man is, is super wicked, actually. That the Bible would say that man in general is a one outside of the blood of Christ. That if you've sinned against the Lord once, that, that you are guilty of, of breaking the whole law. And uh, so man, man is wicked above all things. That passage also goes on to describe how not only is he suppressing the truth, he or she suppressing the truth through their wicked activities, but they're encouraging other people to do the same, of join me in my wickedness in, in a full knowledge that's against the will of God. And that's... Um, that's just a real baseline to show that that we discussed in chapter three, that man is wicked, he's encouraging other people to join him. Uh, And then even just a a basic verse, Romans 6.23, because of that, the wages of sin is death. And so uh, it's it's an interesting discussion to to feel, and and even amongst us who uh, are in the church, just to get an accurate picture that, yeah, generally people aren't so bad, on our scale, but on God's scale, everybody falls in the wicked category. And that just puts us in the great need for a savior. And what's interesting also, like Mark pointed out, is, is that that doesn't just include the reckless and lost, like uh, that Romans 1 passage would be referring to. Like the people who are openly living in sin and encouraging others to live in sexual morality or drunkenness or whatever big label sin you might call it, but it's also the, the religious and lost, those people that are uh, maybe even attend church sun, on Sunday. You might have coworkers or friends or whatever that, that go to a religious activity to uh, maybe pay their dues to God, but still their hearts are really far from God. And uh, so those categories of, of uh, reckless and lost, I think that's the more obvious one, but the, the category of, of religious and lost was really helpful to me even as we, as we grow in Christ through time, knowing like where we came from before we knew Christ can kind of give us uh, a baseline for the sin problems we might have. I was more on the religious and lost side of things, so I might be more legalistic or think I have to do certain things to have right relationship with God. I've, I've got to read my Bible and I've got to have good church attendance. And so uh, I might encourage you even just to evaluate your own life on, on which side you came from before you knew Christ or, or where you're at today. So uh, I'd like to take the next couple minutes then at your table to share the, some of the answers you got from your survey questions, uh, responses from people, and then how did you engage them in, in those, those answers. So we'll have about five minutes for that, and uh, then I'll bring you back. Well, let's come back together for some discussion. Uh, I, I, I laugh at Cam's poll to invite people to Candeo for the good coffee. <laughs> it is sidecar coffee. We don't, we don't cheap out in our coffee. That's awesome. 
What's, uh, what are some of the responses that you had from people, and, and how did you engage with them? Um, I had one that kind of overheard the question, and they basically said that... Um, they overheard the question while you were asking someone else? Yeah. Sure. And so they said um, a two because um, the, priest, the pedophile priest, and look who runs our world, governments. Sure. Did you, were you able to follow up with them and engage? No, they walked away. Oh. Because it was basically, you know, they were, they overheard the conversation. I see. They wanted to give their opinion, but didn't want to have religious conversation. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's even a, a point. Like, they cared enough to engage. Mm -hmm. So that might even be something that you could follow up on. And, well, I hey. didn't even know the person. So we were just, me and a friend were just talking. And oh, like in a public <laughs> place? They walked yeah. by? <laughs> Interesting. Well. So you're not sure how you would answer it. I think, did you walk in late? Uh, I was describing what I, what I thought uh, session three was pointing to of you know, going to Romans one and where Romans says that man is super wicked, basically. Yeah, you said God would say we're like yeah. God scale or evil. Yeah, so, so God would say we're, we're way on that end and that it's only through Christ that we get to be on the other end. So. In, in light of scripture, there's either the far evil or the far perfect. Like, as a Christian, although you and I still have flesh and we still can sin, when God sees us, we're, we're righteous before him. So is there anything about that that is challenging or a struggle for you as you engage in that? Sure. Ones. But like I'm the opposite of your neighbor. Like I think every single person has good in them. Mm. Like and I'm always looking for that. Like I think that's why I gravitate towards, you know, helping like I mean I've gone and visited people that I volunteered with at the um, food bank that were in got arrested for molesting his granddaughter. Like I always think like there's hope and there's yeah. good in people and I'm always looking for that. And so I think I don't want to say, well, as humans, we're one. Mm. But that's just, I know that's not right. Sure. That's just, I'm always trying to find that positive thing in people, which, I mean, I think we should do that. I don't think saying one, we don't find the good in people. Certainly. And then knowing, like, you know, how I view humanity and trying to find the best in this world, sure. I, it's hard for me to balance sure. that. Yeah. No, that's, okay, well, these were free. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to add something to that? Or, yeah. uh, I can, and then if you've got something else to add. I, I appreciate this, your being honesty with that tension, and, and that really is a, a tension to manage of uh, admitting that we ourselves, that's really the place to start. Like, 
without Christ, I am, I'm capable of the worst sins. Um, and so if you look at other people as they're evil and, and you're good and have this religious attitude, I'm not saying you're doing this, but uh, that, can, that can lead to pride and re- religiosity and, um, yeah, and just pointing to the world as being evil, all the evil is outside. Yet at the same time, I think it's really helpful to adequately describe, call a spade a spade, how God sees it. Yet I appreciate what you're doing with those, those lost people, like that guy who was a molester or whatever. You're, you're engaging them and you're, you described it as trying to see the good in them, but I would describe it as you're seeing them as someone made in the image of God and God has called you to love them and pursue them with love and pursue them with the love of the gospel. And outside of God, they're wicked. And so there's this, this tension to manage of, uh, that really motivates our love. If, we, if I really believe that somebody doesn't have any good in them outside of the Lord, then that motivates me all the more to be bold in my sharing and in my love for them. So thanks for sharing that. Mark, did you have anything else beyond that? I mean, it's going along with what you're saying, but so you're rightly recognizing there is a tension, that one is for justification, that we're not justified by God, we're evil in that. And so what I think you're noticing is there's special grace and then there's general grace. So special grace is what saves us, that without God's special grace through Jesus Christ, we have no capacity to do good. But then there's general grace that goes on all people, that we're made in his image, that people have goodness in the sense that God has given that all cultures are not completely devoid, that you go to a, a country that they've never had a Christian believer. It doesn't mean they're doing the maximum evil at all time, but that's because of God's goodness in this world. And so I think you're right to be looking for that because that points them to the gospel, that they're able to do that because of what God has done in them already. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that's good, good to recognize. Anybody else care to share their response in some of the conversation they had? to my neighbor who just has this really negative and even when I try to say something to her she'll say oh but he she has a negative view on people that just trying to rip people off gotcha she kind of thinks that's the whole most of the world is like that it's so, hard so, to not you know I'll say because somebody came to give her an estimate on peppers and you know it was high and she's they just know I'm a widow, so they're just going to take advantage of me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I try to help her look on the bright side of people. And, sure. But she's kind of set in that. Yeah, so on one hand, she has a, a, a right view that the world is wicked, but she's pessimistic. She doesn't look for the good in people. She doesn't understand the love of God. And, right. Um, yeah. And I asked her, do you have a Bible? Do you read the Bible? She said, well, I got one when I was a kid. She's, like, older than me. Sure. So she dug it out. She did come to church with me one time. Really? You know, but, uh, she, she'll, she'll, I'll say, do you want to, I go to Bible study. Do you want to go to a Bible, Bible study with me? She'll say, well, I do need more of God, but I don't want to get up that early. Sure. So, no. She'll see. She's listening to 101.9 now. Hey. The other day I was walking and she pulled up beside me, rolled down her window in her van. She was, listen, Karen, and it was 101.9. So. No, those are baby steps, but. Yeah. Okay, here's another step. Say, the male DJ 
works. Serves coffee. Serves a good coffee drink. <laughs> there's, there's several uh, employees there that, that work here that are on the radio. So, uh, but way to go, Karen, with continue to engage in. It sounds like you've probably been having those conversations even before this class. So being purposeful, being purposeful with that. So, yeah, continue to have those conversations uh, with these survey questions, and have them with an attitude of humbleness, not like a comparison game of, of, well, I'm here and you're there, but just an attitude of really wanting to love the person, draw them out, and ultimately for the purpose of you. Uh, trying to, in the most loving way, point them to the, the only true answer, who is, who is Jesus himself. And that might come in your direct conversation, and it might come up with, come in, in conversations to come in the future, but being purposeful with that time. And so I think even, even a great way to do that is to engage and ask if you can share your thoughts on, on that, or, or ask them, uh, how did you come to that belief, you know, rather than just ending at that first question, like, kind of drawing them out and creating some conversation. Jesse, what were you going to say? Well, when I first started, I just said, this is for a class. Sure. They were really responsive. So it was just like, because it's like, well, you're not going to compare and contrast with me. So it's just all answered. Sure. It was a non-threatening way to, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, especially for the first couple questions, maybe that's, yeah. you're in, in the door. But as, if oh, I'm. Well, I know. As they're sharing with you, they're probably becoming more comfortable and confident with that. So, And you had multiple people respond that way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Multiple. They're suspect. And they were like good family friends of ours, and I was like, why would I do that to you? Like. You mean like their response was going to be read by other people? Is that what you mean by chain mail? No, no, so like send this to 10 people and oh, you like oh, this see, and yeah. if you get it back, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And I just laughed. I thought you meant they were didn't want to answer honestly because somebody else might read it. No, they didn't care about that. They just, they were funny. That's funny. You get all kinds of different responses. Oh, yeah. So let's move on from our surveys uh, and and into... Uh, a little bit of lesson four, focusing on Christ. And I think it'd, it'd be a, a good exercise for us just to answer this question I've got on the board here of who is Jesus to you or what is Jesus to you? And uh, I'd like to take some time individually, like two minutes, uh, which is not a lot of time, but I think it's enough for you to answer to yourself. Get out a piece of paper and write down, like five to ten years ago, who was Jesus to you? And today, who is Jesus to you? And uh, the, the easiest ones should be able to, to do the one word. In one word, who was Jesus to you <laughs> 10 years ago? Was he Savior and Lord, or was he a good teacher, or um, something different than that? And then moving through to a, a sentence, and, and I'd like a couple of us to share uh, maybe in, in a minute. How would you describe who Jesus is to you in a minute? So let's uh, do that on your own for a couple minutes, and then uh, I'd like us to share as a table, and I'll, I'll draw you into that. So go ahead and do that now. All right, so let's, uh, let's bring it back, and uh, I'd like to just maybe hear some of your responses from 
uh, especially the one word. If we could have several of us just throw out like the one word. Uh, let's start on, on the five to 10 years ago, and then we'll do the today as well. So five to 10 years ago, who is Jesus in one word? Ready, set, go. About you, Anna. Sure. Okay. How about uh, how about today? That's two words. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, Lord. A dash, yeah. God. Taylor? Father? So even when we start as basic as one word, uh, I think it, it gets more interesting as you draw out more the one sentence in the one minute of uh, even looking introspectively on how, how have I changed over that time? How has God, God drawn me to himself, revealed himself to me? Uh, or or maybe, I, maybe I was a non-believer and now I'm a believer, or maybe I've taken steps from being really distant from God and I'm, I'm pursuing him. Um, yeah, there's, it's just interesting to see our progress uh, through that time. Uh, could I get uh, two people to share their one sentence? And then I'm going to ask two people to share their minute. So. That was where you were. Huh? That was on this side. Yeah. On the yeah. Sure. <laughs> I gave you a, a big time range here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. And and how has that changed today? If you could follow up with your sentence. That might have filled the almost a minute one, huh? Maybe. Run on sentence? It's a run on sentence. I have a lot of comments. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Anybody else the, the, want to share the minute? I had God on the shelf. Sure. The first over there, I had God on the shelf. He was there, but I wasn't totally in control of my life. I'd say 10 years, not five years, but 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just, I had him there, I had a really, well, I can't really say great relationship, but I had him there. 
and he was in my life, but he was kind of on the shelf. Okay. What about what about today? Totally remind some mm -hmm. days. I mean, totally. And you got to get me through this day some days, sometimes hours. But totally relying on him, surrender. Mm. Total surrender. That's great. And that I, I need him. I need the worship. You know, before I kind of just need him sometimes, but now it's like totally, totally. We have a, a brave soul that wants to do a minute. Go for it. Um, so I would say like five to 10 years ago, I, because I grew up in a Christian home, so I always knew who God was and everything, but it was more of like a distant relationship and it wasn't a priority in like his junior high and high school. It was just like, he was just there. And then um, more of today, like coming into college, years ago it was more of like actually wanting to have a closer relationship with him and actually like putting him first in my life and everything so kind of having that longing for it and um just like i've put down savior for my one word because it's just like that's who he is and that's mm -hmm. the one that i can turn to no matter what so yeah. beautiful thanks for sharing uh, I can share also on the minute. Uh, Ten years ago, I was a sophomore in college, and Jesus was Lord and Savior of my life. Uh, but I was, as we described, as Mark taught a couple weeks ago, with understanding the the basic gospel, like what's the what do you need to know God to be saved. I was I was in that place and growing and and hungry as a Christian and. Over the last 10 years of my life, who I would say Jesus is today, Jesus is uh, in a much greater way uh, my savior, my, my friend, uh, uh, present help uh, that I can call out to when I'm afraid and when I'm uh, happy and um, at all times of, of life. And so uh, it's just, it's fun to look back and see the, relation, the depth of relationship from a, uh, I understand the basics, I might pray once a day to, I really want to walk with the Lord and then talk to the Holy Spirit throughout the day. So uh, that's, a, that's a good exercise to do individually for us to, to see what God has done in our life and, and maybe even as we engage with people on uh, how has, each of us have a story and we've arrived to where we are today because of our past, right? And so uh, if somebody has an interesting comment or whether they do or not, really, just to draw them out and ask them how they got to, to where they were. Uh, this might be an interesting question for them. So, Any thoughts or uh, questions on that? All right. Uh, moving on to something. I got drawn up on the board here. This is not in your book, but it's something I wanted to point out uh, as, as we're considering ourselves, who Christ is, and as we're engaging with people that are both religious and lost and reckless and lost. I uh, just wanted to point to Colossians 2.17 is a pretty straightforward verse that says, these are the shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. And 
as we look at our own life or as we engage with people, um, especially in light of engaging with people, we might get uh, answers for uh, pushback for why they're not uh, pursuing Christ or, or things that they might put in uh, in their confidence in it, that, that are good things but don't have anything to do with the actual truth of knowing God. And some of those might be religious activities, right? Like uh, I was confirmed, I was baptized, uh, which, which are actually good things, but if you point to those the, as, as the substance, they're not actually the substance. They're just a shadow of what is pointing to the real substance, which is Christ, which we're focusing on uh, this week. And so um, in, light of, in light of this verse, the, there's the, the, the shadow, which is a picture pointing to the ultimate substance, which is Jesus. And so the shadow focuses on outward physical things, and the substance is inward and spiritual. And you know, last week we had baptisms, and uh, if you've watched baptisms around here, uh, even once you, you get that we try to really emphasize that this is a physical picture of uh, an outward expression of an inward reality, of something that happened in someone's spirit when they became right with God. It's a picture of uh, dying with Christ and being buried with him and raising to newness of life. And so we see that, that shadow of what the ultimate fulfillment is, is spirit baptism. So when you, when you died with Christ and you ultimately had uh, faith in him, you confessed him as Lord and Savior, and he called you his son and you got saved, he filled you with the spirit. And so that water baptism is that picture of the spiritual baptism. Uh, we can look in scripture at uh, true salvation. In uh, 1 Peter 1, 3, Actually, I think that verse is wrong. 1 Peter 3.20, excuse me, describes uh, the salvation that the eight people who were saved in the ark, they did have salvation, right? They were saved from the wrath of God that came upon them. But that was ultimately just a picture of the wrath of God that, was gonna, that will come on all people at judgment. And we need a savior to save us. And so ultimate salvation is found in Jesus in the cross. Then there's circumcision of the flesh, flesh versus circumcision of the heart. Uh, the religious in the, in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, the Pharisees really pointed to all the religious rules, uh, which was circumcising their bodies and, and cutting, doing this ritual that was very, very important to them to identify with God's people. And we see throughout scripture that God even in the Old Testament, those rules were important, but really God wanted their heart. He didn't care about their religious activities. And uh, Romans 2.29 really points to that, where Paul is teaching and he says, uh, you know, a Jew actually isn't one outwardly. They, they were identifying as, well, we do all these things, look at, we're doing all the right things, we're following all the rules. No, it's actually a circumcision of the heart. When God comes in, he cuts out the old and he replaces it with, with a new heart. And then, uh, Finally, just rituals as we're describing versus relationship. Uh, I think a couple of you had shared that um, in your story, even how God has changed you from uh, doing rituals to having right relationship and engagement with God. And uh, a great picture of this is Psalm 51, 16 through 17. And I just want to read that for us. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it to you, you will not be pleased with burnt offerings. 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, they were, that was David in Psalm 51, just calling out to God, knowing that uh, God required these rituals to be done just because they hadn't had the covering of the blood of Jesus yet. There had to be blood to cover their sin, but that's not what God wanted. God ultimately wanted their heart. He wanted them to delight in him, even as Old Testament Christians. Uh, so it's interesting to look at the, the shadow to the substance. And this isn't just for the religious and lost, as people who are putting their, their thoughts in rituals. It's also as we engage with people who are reckless and lost, who um, the religious and lost often point to their uh, tattoos or drinking or whatever you think a religious person that, that they're disgusted with the reckless and lost. They're pointing to uh, the surface level, a shadow. It's not actually getting to the heart issue, right? And so, um, th yeah, that's just a good, good concept to understand the, the depth that points to Christ, and then as we engage people, uh, just considering the front-end action that we see is not often the real heart issue. Does anybody have any questions on, on that concept? Nope. Sounds great. You know that um, Psalm 51 is is really a beautiful passage, and uh, I read it this past week preparing, and really was just challenged to to memorize that. As I was mentioning a religious and lost background, and kind of falling into that as a uh, as my heart defect, like in my flesh, as I'm fighting my sin, and just to know that God doesn't care about that stuff. He really just wants your heart. So. Maybe that would identify with you as well, and that might be a good action step this week. So uh, we're going to move on now to page 56 and discuss question two. Just to give me a feel for the room, who had a chance to read uh, the stuff this week? About half of us, okay. So the... <coughs> The bulk of that is going to come from the reading of where you'll find those, those answers. So uh, I'd like you to discuss it at your table, uh, question, 50, question number two on page 56. And then I'll bring us back together in a little bit. All right, what were, as we come back here, what were some of the answers that you came up with were how was this temptation of Jesus similar to that of Adam and Eve? So Satan was twisting the word yeah. of God to both of them. Yeah. So they both, they both used, they were tempted with food. They both had the devil twisting the word of God. And uh, any any others? 
using whatever he could use to make them sin, very cunning. Yeah. And that he knew what to say to both of them. He was tricky. And he was, he was drawing on their, their flesh, really, of, uh, with the food, starting with your, well, I think you were saying, Karen, like, that's a difference, though. One of them was hungry and one of them wasn't. So we'll get to that in a second. But they're, they're, he's using food as a draw to both of them. He's speaking lies to both of them. And the third one is that he promises, them, promises that they can be like God. So... Uh, again, tied to his lies that are similar in both sides. How about differences? Jesus quotes scripture that it is written. Yeah, so Jesus, in contrast to Adam and Eve, who just kind of took the lies of the enemy, Jesus combated the lies with scripture. It's good. Jesus was in the past desert with Absolutely nothing while Adam and Eve were in a wash garden with everything. Exactly. Adam and Eve had it easy here. Lots of food, full bellies, and Jesus was really in a, a tough place being tempted. So another difference that I, I noted was that Adam and Eve were promised this vague promise to be that they could be like God. And in contrast, Jesus was uh, taken to all the kingdoms that he could have in an instant. So it wasn't this vague conversation with a snake. It was physically in front of him. He could see uh, the kingdoms of the world, the power that he could endure or that he could control in an instant. He was the son of God, right? He knew that was his already, but he was still in the flesh. And the, so yeah, those are, those are key differences. And why does this matter? Or what's important about that? Well, if he had given in, he wouldn't be the spot with sacrifice. Sure. God's plan for the worse. Exactly. He was trying to trip him up, and to, he was tempting Jesus with, uh, your kingdom can be now. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to endure suffering. You don't have to wait and, and go through all of that that Jesus knew that he was going to have to go to, go through. He could, have, he could have that full satisfaction today. And what a, what a place to be in for Jesus as fasting for 40 days. I don't know if you guys fast much to pursue relationship with the Lord, but if I ever do, it's, it's typically not very long, and I'm suffering. <laughs> uh, food is, is a, great, a great way to, to really pull out what you value when you deny yourself that. And so Jesus was denying himself for 40 days in a hungry place, in a thirsty place. I don't know if he, he fasted from water as well, but... He, he was in a rough place physically after 40 days of that and being tempted by the enemy. And like you said, Karen, if he had given in, we would not have relationship today with him. So praise the Lord that he didn't do that. Uh, also, a really cool point of why this is important is uh, Jesus was, in, in Hebrews, as we're teaching that as a church now, we keep pointing back to the Old Testament and 
or back to, um, excuse me, not the Old Testament, to the, the purposes of Jesus and depth of understanding him better. Like, he was perfected through suffering. So he was a man, but if he, didn't, if he wasn't tempted, then um, he wouldn't have known the depth of who we are as, as people. We haven't got through it yet in, in our teaching series, but Hebrews 4, the end of Hebrews 4. Let's read that together, actually. If you turn to Hebrews 4, 16, 15 through 16 in our, book, in our Bibles. So I'll just read that for us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So it's referring to Jesus as our ultimate high priest. And he, especially in this state, was te- tested in every way. It really helped him identify with us as humans in our humanity and, and fighting the flesh. The, the cool thing is, is he, he set an example for us in walking in the perfect example of what it looks like to walk in the power of the Spirit and deny uh, our flesh. And the primary way he did that is, as you were describing, Karen, is he spoke, he took the lies that the enemy was speaking and he said, no, no, this is the truth of God. That's even a a perfect example for us to follow as we try to fight sin. But also Hebrews 2.10 describes how Jesus was perfected through suffering. That in in suffering, even as he endured the temptation of sin, it just showed that um, he was fully man. It wasn't like being man was a walk in the park easy because he was God. Like he still had to live in the, in the fullness of what it looked like to walk with God in every decision that he made. And he did it. He, he lived the perfect life. And just a beautiful example. So that's why it's important, the temptation of Jesus. It was way harder than Adam and Eve endured. And it's way harder than you and I are enduring today. And he, he led the charge and we're thankful that he did so moving from there, we're going to go to, excuse me, we're going to go to page 48 and discuss question three. We're going to discuss that out of a text. So at a table, read 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. I'll write that in the board. And then discuss that question three, which is, why is the resurrection of Jesus of central importance to the Christian? All right. Well, let's come back together. Uh, How did... um, What kind of answers did you come up with? Why is the resurrection of Jesus important? False witnesses, if we'd be false witnesses, if uh, he didn't 
How would we be, we be false witnesses? What would be false about our witness? I think what you're getting at, Jesse, is saying that Jesus is God, if he didn't yeah. rise from the dead, is a false statement. Because yeah. he'd just be another man, just like I, I think I overheard your discussion of, of all the other religious icons that are, are described as uh, Muhammad or um, Buddha as they lived. They were on this life, but there is no proof of their resurrection. And that passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 really points to that, right? If there is no resurrection, then none of this matters then we are of the most to be pitied. And so uh, praise God for the resurrection. And, and that's uh, even something to, as you engage people who are, who are lost with the gospel, to, that's, that's really a hinging point. If you don't believe in the resurrection, uh, then it makes sense that Jesus is just a good teacher or a man. But if he did rise from the dead, as we really believe he did, then he is God. So guys, in, in wrapping up, about five minutes we get out of here. I wanted to just cover kind of highlighting really main points that we've covered so far in our class. And there's a spot uh, to fill this out in your book in uh, the questions in chapter four. Number one, so if you'd like to complete the chart, that'd be great. Uh, and you don't have to memorize these, but I think if your goal in, in purpose in the class is to want to grow in depth of understanding. If, if you couldn't name these off word for word, but if you in, understand the underlying principles, I think that'd be great uh, and, and could really benefit you going forward. And so we started with God in, in chapter one and as the loving creator who lovingly made us, who lovingly created all things uh, and to put us in, in control of them and have relationship with them. He's the supreme authority. He's, he definitely showed uh, even from the beginning that Adam and Eve, that he was in control of all things, even though he gave authority to them, uh, he was the ultimate authority. And then the final judge, as we point to the end of all time, that each of us will be judged before God as a, as a holy God. Humanity, last, last week, uh, Mark was teaching us through Romans 1, especially as we reviewed today, that Man is willfully ignorant and uh, willfully ignorant of following God. He is quick to be wicked and to pursue sin and to live in it and encourage others to do the same, which is passionately rebellious. That man desires to rebel against the call of God on his life and push against uh, God's headship in his life. And then because of that, man and humanity, all of us, were condemned to death. As I, as I quoted, Romans 6.23 is a key verse for that. The wages of sin is death. And that's a, a tangent, but a great but in the middle of that. But the gift of God is eternal life. And then today, we've been talking about Christ. What an example Christ set for us as being perfectly obedient, even in the greatest of temptations, much higher than we have, and uh, was perfectly obedient to the Father without sin. He's our substitutionary sacrifice, which we didn't get to go much in depth on that. The reading just touches on it. But Jesus took our sin 
and gave us his righteousness. And that, so that substitute was Jesus was, he took the punishment in, in, in our place. He was our substitute. And finally, uh, we just briefly talked about the, the importance of the resurrection, that he is victoriously alive, and because of that, we have hope. That's why we're here today. So, uh, yeah, if, if you get a chance this week to review that and uh, just even try to do what I did, uh, give a, a sentence or a few comments on each one, I think it would grow your understanding uh, of the gospel. So, guys, in closing, um, as, the, as the end of chapter 4 reads, uh, he really encourages us to go forth from here in resurrection power of Christ. Christ didn't just save us to uh, come to church and to, to be good people, but to live in his power, to have victory over sin, and to live as his representatives to people. So let's do that this week. Uh, question, or our survey for lesson four, is who is Jesus? So be purposeful to follow up with your people on that, and, and as we discussed, in a humble attitude, engage with them, uh, and, and do, the, do it for the long game, right? Like to continue the relationship with them and, and hope to have further conversations. And then uh, read lesson five, which is page 60 through 70. And if you, if you get time, you know, we answer some of the questions in class here, uh, but it, it would be great uh, if you came prepared uh, to class, I'd say. Reading it will help you get a lot more out of it, and answering the questions will take that to the next level. So, does anybody have any questions for me? Great. Well, let me close us in prayer, and, and we can dismiss. Lord Jesus, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks for getting us here safely. Thanks for your goodness as we go deeper in our understanding of the gospel, in seeing you as the victoriously risen king who defeated death and, and walked a perfect life before us. So God, we worship you this morning. I pray for my heart and the, the hearts of those uh, taking this class that we would continue to want to go deeper in our understanding of the gospel and that would motivate us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.